yes, I, I need to make a statement really quick here because some of you think your uh, lead pastor has gone nuts, uh, that maybe he doesn't know that he's speaking with a pad of paper in front of his face. But the reality is, I do know that I have a pad of paper in front of my face. As a matter of fact, I could tell you it's yellow and it's got a, a lot of lines. What, what I can't tell you is who's out there. What I can't tell you is how you're looking at me at this moment. What I can't tell you are a lot of things. But what, again, what I could tell you is what is right in front of my face. I want you to think about that for a moment. Because on this Sunday that I'm calling Vision Sunday, I think all of us can fall into the trap of only seeing what is right in front of our face. And oftentimes, what is seen in this case on the pad of paper that is what, right in front of my face is the two letters M and E. Because isn't that true? That oftentimes the only thing that we will look at is through the filter of me. And this not only can happen in our own lives, but it also could happen in the context of the church. Let's pray. God, it is really good to be in your house. And it is really good to be alive. And God, it is good to be reminded during worship that your love never fails. And as I stood there taking in those words, I had to repent as I stood there and realized even though your love never fails, my love does. Where your love has no limits, my love does. And so I still have a lot of work to do. And I'm guessing I may have a friend or two in this room that also has some work to do. But God, thank you for loving us anyways. And God, thank you for what you've done already this morning and what you're gonna do. We pray for continued outpouring of your Holy Spirit in this place. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.
So I want to spend the very first part of this message kind of laying the foundation of this word vision. And, and, and what I want to do is go to Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. It's one of my favorite verses. Uh, one, uh, first of all, because it's easy to memorize. There's not a whole lot of words in it, but it packs a powerful punch, at least for this guy right here. It, it says this. And will you read it with me? Uh, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Now, the way I learned this verse is it says this, where there is no vision, the people will perish. Where there is no vision, the people will perish. And as these fine gentlemen are walking down and you need a Bible, you raise your hands. And if you don't have one, uh, they will get you one. Uh, the modern uh, language Bible version of this, this passage says this, and I love this. Where there is no vision, the people run wild. Can I get an amen? Where there is no vision, the people run wild. And that's true of the workplace. That's true of your home. Some of you have no vision in your home. I've been there. The kids are, go no, no, no. And guess what? It's true of our life and it's true of the church's life. Where there is no vision, the people run wild. I don't know if you know this about your pastor, but uh, there's a few key words that uh, I, I, I'm associated with that I, I love. I love leadership. I love, I love, <laughs> well, you know I love the Dodgers, but that has nothing else to do with anything. I love the word perseverance. And I love the word vision. Those are kind of my, my words. And, and if you go in my office, uh, some of the things that are hanging on the wall uh, uh, validate this. I want to show you one of the pictures. It's of Walt Disney. And, and one of, uh, this, I literally took this picture in my office. And it's Walt Disney. If you can't tell, it's kind of like this open dirt field. And then superimposed over it is what? It's Disneyland, right? And, and, and here's the caption underneath from Walt Disney's mouth. It's fun to do the impossible. And where everyone saw a dirt field in Anaheim, Walt Disney saw Disneyland. Also in my office, and again, don't, well, let me just show you this. And it's a big poster, like straight ahead from my, my chair. It's right there. I know some of you walk in my office and go, oh my gosh, this is a little weird. Pastor's got a big picture of Kevin Costner. No, I'm not in love with Kevin Costner. I love the movie Field of Dreams. And again, in that movie, and I've preached sermons on this, in that movie, Kevin Costner's character is standing right next to a cornfield. Do you remember this? And it's a cornfield. And where everyone saw a cornfield, you saw as Kevin looked at this field, he saw a what? He saw a baseball field. And I love that. I love that. And that's why these, these two um, um, images are on the walls of my office. Because every time I'm in my office, I'm able to see these things. And I'm able to think bigger than what's before me. I'm, I'm able to take 
the pad away from my face and, 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 and open up my eyes to what's bigger than me. And, and some of us are, are walking around living life like this right now, and I'm praying that the pad is dropped for, for your own life and, and why God has made you the way he has. Some of you settled into to being less than what God has called you to be. Some of you have, have, have found yourself in, in, in the comfort zone, Right? But, but God did not send his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross so that we can walk with a pad of paper in front of our face just living a mediocre, uh, mediocre life. Amen? And, and the same is true not only for your life, but for those of us that are Christ followers. His church. His church needs to see beyond itself. It needs to see beyond what only we could see. And, and we, not only as leadership, but as, as, as teammates in this church, at West Valley Christian Church, we're not talking about the church worldwide, although it's true of every church. But, but why does this church exist? Why does West Valley Christian Church exist for over 40 years? And I get to press into this a little bit here this morning. Again, I said it, your pastor loves this word. And I've written quotes over the years. Aristotle says this, the soul never thinks, the soul never thinks without a picture. That's vision. Visions are born in the soul of a man or a woman who is consumed with the tension between what is and what could be, Andy Stanley says. The tension of what is and what can be. Amen? I uh, met with uh, someone that's been attending our church for probably over three years. And we're over at Coffee Bean just sharing a story. And uh, this gentleman told me something about him that I'd, I'd, I would never have known unless we had coffee. Actually, that day it was tea. He goes, Rob, when I was in my 20s, uh, my buddy and I came up with this idea that we wanted to raise money for missionaries. And uh, so we decided we were going to ride from here to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. If you don't know, that's a long way. <laughs> and um, I'm like, wow, like, 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 like motorcycles? Was it a Harley? No, this is, this is bicycles. And so they made all the plans and the preparation, and they get there. And I think, if I remember correctly, they started somewhere around Balboa and Satakoy. And they got on their bikes, and then uh, I guess there was one female in a car that kind of followed them the whole trip. They get to Palmdale, and they're already hitting roadblocks. They realize... They've taken on a little bit bigger than what they had imagined. <laughs> Palmdale will do that to you. <laughs> Sorry for those of you that listen to this uh, podcast in Palmdale, but uh, they realized, you know, they just didn't really quite have all the equipment that they thought they needed and all the food and just, just thought, like, our bodies are already hurting. And yet, if they didn't have the vision of where they were going and why they were going there, it would have been really easy to what? To give up, to turn around. Like, like, okay, that was a great idea, but this is silly. This doesn't matter. 
But you know what? They knew where their destination was, and they knew why they were going there. And so they didn't let this obstacle stop them. Is that resonating with anyone? You see, where there is no vision, the people were run wild. If we're just existing here on this earth, no wonder we're struggling with our struggles. No wonder we're, we're, we're having a hard time getting out of bed when we don't want to get out of bed. No wonder we're having a hard time loving people that are hard to love. Because if we don't know ultimately what we're headed towards, then it's really easy to put the pad of paper in front of our face and just only see what's, what, what we want to see. Amen? And again, I bring that back to the church. We, the church, can fall into the same trap. By the way, the gentleman made it with his buddy. And uh, he's actually sitting in here today. And no, it's not John Stahlberger. No, no, it's not Glenn Curvy. And certainly not this guy. Visions are born in the soul of a man or a woman who is consumed with the tension between what is and what can be. Jonathan Swift said it this way, vision is the art of seeing things invisible. I think of David. Remember young little David? I don't mean King David. I mean like shepherd boy David, teenage David that's tending the sheep in a hillside and the scripture tells us in 1 Samuel the story and you could read it this week. Dad shows up and says, hey, hey David, you know your brothers are in battle and they need some food and so I'm gonna pack some pack some food for them because it's Sunday and Chick-fil-A's closed. <laughs> and, um, and I need you to go get it to him out in the battlefield. And David's all excited, right? And he goes and he sees something that he had only heard up to this point. His family and his, his people are being tormented by who? The Philistines, right? And, and in charge, leading this charge is this big giant named Goliath, and Goliath is known as this nine-foot-tall, you know, Philistine warrior giant. And, and, and Saul and all of his wisdom and might and power and his big army, they're just chickens, and they're cowards. And, and David is a little child. He's supposed to be a delivery boy, but as he's delivering, he sees when no one else is seeing. Where everyone was seeing a giant, David saw opportunity. Come on now. Where everybody, and I mean everybody, the greatest of the warriors, saw a giant, little shepherd boy David saw an opportunity. Where Disney goes and sees this beautiful, beautiful, Future of Disneyland, everyone else saw what? A piece of dirt in Anaheim. Where Kevin Costner saw this beautiful ball field, everyone else saw a cornfield. Where all the Israelites saw defeat, David saw victory because he saw God Almighty that had saved him from 
a bear and a lion. And maybe there was something in his spirit that said, if he could save, save, save me from them, this, this Goliath is nothing. Go to 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17, verse 32. 1 Samuel 17, 32. David said to Saul, let not, no one of those lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. He, he, he saw what nobody else saw. Amen? Saul, Saul, I'll go. And Saul replied, you're crazy. Because he had the paper in front of his face, right? You are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man. And he has been a warrior from his what? From his youth. Saul's trying to talk sense into this shepherd boy. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued it from the sheep's mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will, will, will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord, here it is, the Lord who has rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, I guess go then. <laughs> go and may the Lord be with you. Amen. You see, the soul, the soul never thinks without a picture. And, and when David saw this scene, he saw a scene of victory because he knew all God Almighty had his back. Now drop this, drop this word, this word vision into the context of the church today. And see how churches also can be unstoppable because of the power of God. But also, take the word vision out of the context of the church and see how churches are crumbling left and right. I read this this week in George Barna's book on vision. A church without vision is like a car without gasoline capable of moving forward, but lacking the necessary fuel. A church is like a, a symphony without a score, lots of talent, but no direction. So that leads me to the question, what, what is God's vision for his church? What is the, what is the fuel? What, what is it that is, that is to drive the church. And if you're taking notes, write this down. What, what, what does God see? And I want you to go to, and this, you should just be tired of this, but you should know exactly where we're going. We're going to Matthew chapter 22. And we're going to keep going to Matthew chapter 22 as long as I'm alive, as long as I'm the one preaching, Matthew chapter 22 is like 
Like when you go to a chiropractor and you're out of adjustment and you go there and some of you just need to be a little bit tweaked and some of you need to be really tweaked to get back and lined up. Matthew chapter 22 is like going to the chiropractor office for the church. It's saying, are you aligned with what matters? Are you aligned with why you exist? And here it is, in Jesus's, in the context is Jesus has asked, what is the greatest commandment in, in Matthew chapter 22, verse 36? Like of all the 600 and plus commandments, can you just give me the cliff note version? Like, like not, not even the cliff note version, can you, just, can you just tell me what's the most important one? And Jesus goes, you know, let me get back to you on that one. Let me pray about that. No. He knows what his purpose is to be here on this earth. He knows why he left, quote unquote, the comforts of heaven to come be down here. And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God. With all, what does all mean, church? All. All means all. With all of your what? With all of your heart. With all of your soul. And with all of your mind. I want you to sit on that for a second. Are you? Am I? Because isn't it, isn't it quite possible that I would ask this same question last week and we could answer the question, yes, with confidence? And then seven days later, isn't it possible to ask the same question and with all honesty go, no. I kind of got my butt kicked this week. So Jesus says that this is what it's about. For your life, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. And then verse 38, he says, this is the first and greatest commandment. And by the way, I'm gonna add on to this. The second is like it. And what does he say? Love your neighbor as yourself. It's pretty, like I was looking over my message this morning in my office and I'm like, this is pretty, this is pretty bold. And I understand the intensity, the, the responsibility of, of what I'm saying here because what I'm saying is like, I think I know what God's vision is. That's pretty bold, isn't it, church? And, and there's a moment in my office, I'm like, huh. But you know what? That uh's not there right now. Because you know what? I didn't make this up. I went to God's word. He says it's the most important thing. So therefore, guess what? It's the most important thing. So I could say this with all confidence. It doesn't matter what the pad of paper says in front of me that I think it is. When you take it down, you open up the book, he says the most important thing, the core of the church, the vision of the church is simply this, to help people love him and love each other. It's kind of strange, but it's not because God does things in amazing ways. But one of the things I, the perspective I get is I, I pray throughout the week. Oh my God, son, you know, Monday comes. Mon- so this is over three Sunday, three services. Monday I come in here and the first thing I'm doing is what am I preaching on this week? And then I have it and then I go, all right, let's start thinking this through. Let's start praying. 
And for this particular week, it's, you know, vision, West Valley. And I'm like, all right, God, all right, God, let's, let's do this thing, all right. And it's interesting because as I'm, I'm studying and writing this stuff out, I'm, I'm, uh, articles are being sent my direction from just different things. Like, oh, you should read this, Pastor, or I accidentally went on this. And that doesn't happen every week. But here it is, love God, love people. And then I had uh, uh, someone that's special to me call me uh, pretty fired up. I think it was Friday night. He goes, I can't believe this. What is going on? Da, da, da. I'm like, what? They're like, have you heard about Drew Brees? I'm like, well, yeah, he's the quarterback of the Saints. And he used to be the quarterback of my favorite you know, team, the Chargers. And I think he's a class act. He goes, he's getting ripped to shreds in the media. And so I look it all up and I'm watching all this stuff. And I don't know if you've heard about this, but, but Drew Brees is a class act in my opinion. And when the Saints had that horrific, you know, New Orleans, and he, he put so much money towards the hurricane that hit there and the devastation. And to me, he's just been a class act. So I guess recently it was, I should know this, but it was uh, National Bring Your Bible to School Day, right? I don't know if it's just happened or happened, but... Um, Drew Brees was asked to do like a 30-second clip promoting this. Like, hey, kids, it's cool. Bring your Bibles to school. Drew Brees has got ripped to shreds in the media for doing this spot on saying, kids, bring your Bible to school. And he's been called a homophobic, and he's been called a, I mean, he's been called all kinds of stuff out there. And, and, and so uh, I don't know if it was Friday or Saturday, he made a video clip himself about a 30-second video clip. You could go Google it and look at it. And he just, he just, you could see he's a little frustrated, but he does it in the best way he can with love. And he's just like, guys, listen, I live my life by two principles. And guess what he said? He goes, to love the Lord your God with all your, you know, strength, you know, with all your mind, with all your heart. And then he goes, and then the second one is guess what? to love your neighbor. And he goes, I, I do my best to love my neighbor, whether it's my neighbor or my family or my football team. And he goes, I don't think, and I'm gonna give words now, I don't think this is fair. But this, this is who I am. So here's a gentleman, sports figure, that's highly you know, regarded and he's a great athlete. He's getting ripped to shreds today for promoting kids to bring their school, their Bible to school, back to school, right? But why can he do this? The pad of paper is not in front of his face. This is. And he's saying, this is what's gonna guide my life. And you and I, we would be afraid and we put the pad of paper right back on our face and Drew Brees' agent and maybe those around him might have gone, hey, Drew, it'd be just better if we could just not do those things, right? And Drew's like, but this is who I am. And more importantly, this is what God's word calls me to do. I'm not doing anything wrong. Vision does this. It drives us. It keeps us on track. It reminds us of why we do the things we do. And as a church, I'm going to tell you this, it's only going to get harder to be a church in America. 
And I don't say that as a doomsday person. I don't say that to be skeptical, to be negative. I'm just real on that. It's going to be harder. And there are churches, churches that claim this is the word, that claim the cross, that claim all that stuff, that are backing down and they're putting the notebook in front of their face and they're calling it culture and they're calling it compromise and they're calling it, well, maybe some of it's true, some of it's not. They're saying some of the history of it's true, some of it's not. Maybe Jesus did come to this earth, but maybe he didn't die. Maybe he didn't raise again, but we still, no, 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 no. It's this. It's this. And when the church gets off of this, when the church gets off of its purpose, then we're going to get messed up. And the last time I checked, and I did, Target's mission statement is not to love people and love God. Coffee Bean's mission statement is not to love people and love God. Calabasas Country Club's not to love people and love God. And I'm not criticizing them for it. But God's purpose for the church is that. I didn't even finish my cup of coffee this morning. Matthew, Matthew 16. Matthew 16. Matthew 16, 18. Jesus is having a conversation with Peter, and he says in verse 18, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my what? My church. And the gates of Hades, or the gates of hell, will not overcome it. So as I'm answering this question, what does God see? He, he sees people back in the right relationship with him. He sees people loving each other. And, and I think oftentimes, if I'm honest, when I see love each other, I'm thinking about loving those outside of the church and this morning, even as I'm singing. Yeah, there's a lot going on in my head was worship this morning. I was thinking, but that means I need to love people in the church too. Right? And, and, then, and, then, and then he paints this picture. And, and you've, if you've been around here long enough, you've heard me say this. You know, what was in Jesus' mind's eye when he said to Peter, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail? Like, I, I always wonder, what was, what was that picture in Jesus' heart and mind? And, and are we that today? Are we what Jesus pictured? And I'll just say this, there's always this tension to go off to the left and go off to the right. And that's why we need to take a, a visit to reality every now and then and saying, are we on the right path as the church? And the simple answer for me is, is are we helping people love God and are we helping people love others? And, and, and then are we being that instrument? Like, like Jesus' vision from, from the church wasn't brick and mortar, but it was you and I as Christ followers doing this very thing in Matthew chapter 22 together. Because he knew, he knew that we couldn't do this thing on earth alone. And this is why he brought the church together. And that's you and I, not the walls that are here today. Amen? And, and I know this because you, you look at Acts. Look at Acts. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter um, 2, verse 36. And it says this. There, uh, 
Therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this. God made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Messiah. This is Peter preaching. After Christ's death and resurrection, and he's up in heaven. It says, when the people heard this, after they heard the gospel message, they were what? They were cut to the heart. And Peter said, brothers, what shall we do? Or they asked Peter. And Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins and and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children for all who are far off, for whom the Lord our God will call. Now check this out. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourself from what? This corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and 3,000 were added to their number that day. Pastor, why are you bringing this in to vision? Because I think it plays out this way. Right at the beginning, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Then, he, then, then, then there's this picture of the church and, and what the church is supposed to be and how it's supposed to be there together. But it's individuals have given their life to Jesus Christ. It's individuals that have repented and been baptized and, and have said yes to Christ that come together. And if you read on in, in, in Acts in, in, in verse chapter two, verse 42, I mean, these people devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to God's word. They devoted themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves to sharing the good news. And that's what I think was in the mind's eye of Jesus when he, when he talked about the church. And again, the question becomes, are we that today? And as the leader of this church, it is my responsibility, and I take it with great humility that we need to always make sure we're still on task. And it's really easy to veer off to the left and it's very easy to veer off to the right. And it's very easy to have people come with the the pad of paper with me on it and say, this is what needs to happen. No, we've got to make sure that the reason this church exists in the west end of the valley is to get the gospel message out to those that do not know Christ. And for those that do know Christ, that we continue to build each other up, we continue to grow and we continue to, to do the things that God wants us to do to make us more like his son, Jesus Christ. The gospel is central. Now, I'm gonna step on some really touchy ground here and I'm gonna be very careful and I chose to be very clear, but get out quick. I think social justice is wonderful. And I think the church needs to be involved in a lot of the topics that fall under that umbrella. But if, we, if all we do as a church is clothe people and make sure they have health care and make sure they have rights, no matter if they're male or female, and make sure of this thing and make sure of that thing, but they don't know Jesus, then we've missed the boat. And I don't mean that mean. I I don't mean that because I know a lot of us are involved in great causes. I'm involved in some great causes. But I thought about this and I'm like, okay, so everyone has health care. So everyone has clothes on. So everyone's fed. Every nationality and every education and everything, everyone's happy. But they don't know Jesus, then the devil's won. 
And the church's job is not to make sure all that stuff's taken care of, although we can impact that. But the reason we impact that is so that they know the gospel. Okay. Send all your cards and letters to Greg Green, John Stauberger, and Katie Matsumoto. All right. But here's what's breaking my heart because, I, again, this week I read an article. Do you know? And it depends on who you're talking. I know statistics are crazy. I've read everything from 5,000 to 10,000 churches are closing a year. So if you do, depending on the number you choose, I think it's fair to say 100 to 200 churches are closing their doors every week. And I'm thinking, ah, and I know some, but I didn't know it was that crazy. But that's what's happening. And again, I'm not speaking to those closed doors and making, you know, a statement against every church or uh, that doors are closed and this and that. I get it. I get it. But here's the problem that I do see as I'm reading it and as I'm hanging out and I'm listening to some of the pastor's conferences that people are going to and some of the watered down stuff that's out there. If we, the church, are getting away from the gospel as a central message, no wonder God is going to close the doors of churches. And so I don't think it's always just because of lack of resources or lack of uh, ministers or lack of whatever. But sometimes I think God's just going, I'm going to let those doors close. Now, you flip it on the other side. You know why some doors are closing in churches? Because they don't have the vision. Where there is no vision, the people will run wild. And so if you're up there trying to please everybody, you're going to please nobody. And our job is to please God Almighty. And that's tough sometimes because it's not a popular place to be. But if you're trying to please people, it's very stressful. But if you're trying to please God and you're staying on task... And that's what, why, you know, we, we are standing on the shoulders of a great man, Pastor Kirby. We get to be here today because for 40 years, Pastor Kirby made sure the gospel was central. Now, does that mean he was perfect? Absolutely not. He hired me at one point. I mean, hello. <laughs> are you with me, church? This is why, this is why Paul went out of his mind in in Galatians. (laughs) That's, that's a shortcut of Colossians and Galatians together. Thank you very much. I'll be on it. uh, 1045 and five. Galatians. You look at Galatians chapter one. Galatians chapter one. He's so fired up in verse six. He says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion. Verse eight, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be under God's curse. Some translation says, let him be eternally condemned. Some translations say, let him go to hell. Because he's, he's preached the gospel, these people have given their lives to Jesus Christ, and some of the Judaizers are saying, yes, it's the cross, and yes, it's Judaism, and they're saying the cross isn't good enough. And Paul's going, wait a second, you're preaching a different gospel than the one that's preached. You, I know a way to fill this church every service. Every service, I could get up here and preach psychology and positive thinking and health and wealth, and we could have parking problems, and we could have all kinds of people coming, but that's not why the church exists, to fill it up with as many people as possible. Jesus didn't die so that we could fill the purple seats. He died so we could have right relationship with God.
So, so, so this is pulling the pad down in a way and just saying, God, why, why are we here? We're here because the West End of the Valley needs a healthy church. 2030 project over at Promenade, have you seen that? It's about a $2 billion project that's going to have about 1,500 more residencies and a 15,000-seat stadium that's about 5,000 seats short of the Staples Stadium, put it in context. I mean, they're making it the new L.A. over there. Now, that'll scare some of you out of here. But the reality is, don't we need to get ready for that new group of people that are coming that don't know, need to know Christ? Oh, the buzzer says it's time. I'll say this, you know, media's hot on this right now. You know Benny Hen came out and said, I've been wrong. Now, the reality is I've looked at both sides. I've read it all. There's a lot of critics out there. But I pray that Benny Hen has been convicted by the Holy Spirit. And he has come out and said the prosperity gospel is wrong and I've been wrong and preaching that has been wrong and I'm not going to ask for money anymore and I've been that a lot. And I'm like reading this one, what? Is this fake news? But it's all over the place. And I pray that we as a church will continue to keep preaching the gospel. And I pray that those aren't preaching the gospel will come to true repentance and get back to the gospel. Will we stumble as a church? Absolutely. Have we stumbled as a church? Absolutely. But this is Jesus. This is God's vision for the church. So what about West Valley Christian Church? Well, that's our vision, to fulfill God's vision. Read passages like Hebrews 6, 18, 19. Read passages like 1 Peter 1, 3 that all talk about our theme this year, giving people that unshakable hope, that anchor of Jesus Christ. Our job is to help that Psalms 30, 63, 1 passage that says, um, uh, my God, my God, my soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. That, that, that's kind of the cry of the people that don't know Christ. Our job is to help fill that thirst. And we know the answer to that, don't we? So as I close, I ask this question, what about you? Our task as a church is to fulfill God's vision. But now look at yourself and say, how am I doing that? Do I need to remove the pad from my face? Has the pad been removed, but it's come back? Or is the pad down and do I need to just keep going like that gentleman that stopped in Palmdale and it was difficult, but he recalibrated and finished. God, thank you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day.